Welcome to our first episode of our new podcast series, where we share with you about newborn issues and hold discussions on the fixed income market. I'm Sarah Chia from Bond Supermart, an online platform that provides you with information on bonds, transparent prices, tools, and research at your fingertips. Today I have with me Dexter Tan, Senior Fixed Income Analyst from the Bond Supermart team at IFAST Singapore. We'll take a look at a theatrical release journey today and understand the threats that cinemas are facing. Dexter, before we delve into this, I want to ask, when was the last time you saw a film in a movie theater? Hi Sarah, it's been a while since I've been to the movies. Um, right now, there's so much content available online for free that it's almost not worth paying the extra dollars to go to the cinema. Unless it's something that you want to see on a larger screen with an amphitheater experience. As I recall, the last time I was at a movie theater was during one of the Hollywood blockbuster showings last year with the family. Now that cinemas in Singapore have reopened with social distancing rules of course, would you go and see a film anytime soon? Yes, I want to watch a movie, but there is no real compelling reason for me to visit one anytime soon. Operators are showing mostly horror shows at the moment, and I'm not exactly a big fan of the genre. My relatives and my friends, however, have been to the movies uh, because like everyone else, they want to spend some time outside the home. It's really a personal thing for me, but I'll only spend money on a movie if there's a sufficient level of entertainment from the show, or if my daughter or my wife really likes the film. To start with, could you give us a background on the cinematic industry? Sure, we can look at a theatrical uh, release journey for this. There are a few stages at which a movie is taken from script to the audience. First, the script is written by the script writers. Um, Filming starts soon after and the movie is directed and produced by a film studio. A marketing and distribution company takes charge of the marketing aspects of the movie. Cinema operators show the movie to audiences and the profit is split between all parties along the production chain. So this is called the traditional route. In the example of Avengers Endgame, the script was written between 2013 and 2015 by Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely. Marvel Studios started production in 2017 and ended filming in 2018. The movie was distributed by Walt Disney Studios, Motion Pictures and shown in theaters in 2019. In aggregate, the production budget was $356 million and box office receipts totaled $2.8 billion. So there is, however, a digital route at which the movie bypasses distributors and cinema theaters and is directly streamed to the audience via a streaming device. This means that the production studio who owns the streaming service captures more value within the movie production chain. Unlike the traditional route where the customer pays an ad hoc fee to the cinema operator, the digital route is a recurring revenue business model for the film studio. So I was thinking that maybe we could discuss about MM2 Asia? you know, as a case study to understand the film industry better, since it's a company that you cover extensively as well. So our listeners may have heard of them before. They produce films, um, TV, and online content like Our Boys to Men. And they also own the Cathay Cineplexes in Singapore and Malaysia. Dexter, could you take us through a quick introduction of MM2 Asia and how their business operations are split? Sure. Um, yeah, I cover the company. Um, MM2 Asia Limited is a listed company on the Catalyst Exchange with a market cap of around $222 million. Uh, Broadly speaking, MM2 is an entertainment group that operates mainly as a media and content producer for film and television, with a significant presence in Malaysia and Singapore. So during fiscal year uh, 2020, uh, 33% of the revenue came from core business or film productions whereas about 60% was generated from cinemas and concerts. So after its IPO, um, MM2 expanded its footprint throughout uh, various investments in Hong Kong, 
uh, Taiwan, China, and the US. So principal activities are divided into four principal areas. Uh, firstly, uh, content production, distribution, and sponsorships. Second, uh, post-production. Uh, third, cinema operations. And fourth, uh, event productions and concert promotions. So in September 2017, um, MM2 enlarged its portfolio through the acquisitions of various uh, cinema assets from Lotus Five Star Cinemas in Malaysia and Cathay Cineplexes in Singapore. So both acquisitions have trusted MM2 into one of the largest uh, theatre chains in both countries. The decision to acquire cinemas was largely seen as a vertical uh, move down the value chain. So after all, uh, cinemas are labelled as downstream assets in the traditional route along the movie production chain. So at the end of March, um, MM2 had 127 million of short-term borrowings, which are largely made up of bank loans and a 47.4 million outstanding convertible bond. So the 50 million medium-term note matures in April next year and was classified as a non-current liability at the end of fiscal year uh, 2020. What would you say the impact of COVID on them has been like? So like many other companies that are involved in the business of crowds, MM2 was negatively impacted by COVID-19. So circuit breaker measures were introduced in Singapore and Malaysia with an enforcement of rules at the start of April, which meant that we would not have a clear picture of the negative impacts of COVID-19 on the company until they report earnings for the fiscal half of uh, for the first half of fiscal 20, uh, 2021. So that being said, uh, we estimate a cash burn rate of around 7 million to 10 million per month. And this is largely driven by operations in its core production business and cinema segments. So moviegoers are likely providing between 2 to 5 million of revenue per month, while we think income from movie productions are possibly between uh, 4 to 7 million per month. So this leaves us with an estimated monthly income range of negative 1 to 2 million for the group. Now, on the flip side, with no one going to cinemas, I'm sure a lot of us have had to source our entertainment from popular digital sites like Netflix and Disney. Does MM2 have a digital arm as well? Yes, there is a digital arm, but they have yet to launch the streaming services. In November 2019, they announced the launch of Mplay Asia that was projected to be available in April. However, the launch was reportedly uh, postponed to the third quarter. Um, likewise, in June this year, uh, MM2 announced a new streaming service called uh, Cathay Cine Home that caters to a sub-segment of movie patrons. That's interesting. So that means they'll have two types of distribution channels. It seems like there's going to be one via the traditional cinema way and another via the streaming platform. However, actually, I don't think I've personally seen any advertisements about Mplay or Cathay Cine Home though. How do you think they're going to stack up against the giants of streaming services like Netflix and Disney Plus? I think that the streaming platforms are targeting a different segment of the market from Netflix and Disney Plus, so it may not be too fair uh, to compare them uh, point by point. Uh, Mplay Asia features Chinese programs and they are targeting viewers in Singapore, Malaysia, Taiwan, and Hong Kong. In my opinion, the closest competing service within the sector is probably Viki uh, of View. So Cathay Cine Home, on the other hand, targets uh, moviegoers who have missed the theatrical window but want to catch up on their favourite movies. So the service is aimed at consumers who want to pay to watch newly released uh, movies after the theatrical window has ended but before they are made into DVDs. So at this juncture, it's really hard to say how they will compare against the more established platforms. But Netflix and Disney Plus has certainly uh, set a high bar for streamers. 
So like all newly launched products, uh, Mplay Asia and Cathay Cine Home may struggle to win market share in the initial growth phases. So if you look at the market right now, there are more and more streaming options for consumers. For example, Peacock by NBC, Universal and HBO Max were launched recently in the US. And I have a feeling that the competition is just starting to heat up. So with regard to Netflix, the company has continued to witness a growth in subscriptions because uh, total paid subscribers have reached 192 million at the end of June, representing a 27.3 increase from the second quarter last year. So Disney Plus is also expanding at a rapid, rapid pace after achieving a total of 57 million subscribers in seven months. And Disney Plus is not even completely rolled out worldwide. As millennials, I think we can both see, you know, how important this digital market is. Do you think there's still any value in MM2 continuing their focus on the cinema space? Yes, I think there is some value uh, in the cinema space. Uh, Consumers will still go to the movies because watching a film on the big screen is something that cannot be replicated at home. So operators can make a profit by running a cinema. So that being said, the value of managing a movie theater is decreasing in the industry in Singapore because it's quite saturated right now. Uh, Cinema attendances and box office receipts have been falling since 2016. So on hindsight, uh, MM2's attempt to acquire Cathay Cineplexes in 2017 coincided with the peak of the market. It was a debt finance acquisition fueled by a 47 million convertible bond and a 50 million medium term note. So both bonds are expected to mature uh, next year. So there is more value uh, in Malaysia's uh, cinema business as the country, unlike Singapore, has witnessed increasing box office sales and patrons. So the largest difference between the two countries is the price of tickets. So I think if operators in Singapore lower prices, then attendances, uh, attendances at the cinemas will climb. So but looking ahead, uh, MM2 Asia should focus on uh, movie productions because core productions have typically been the largest revenue generator, and the most profitable uh, segment for the company. Right. And within Asia, are there other cinema players like MM2 who are bond issuers? You know, how do you think they match up? So unfortunately, uh, there are not many bond issuers who operate cinemas in Asia. In the two key markets of its businesses, MM2 competes against uh, Golden Screen Cinemas in Malaysia and Golden Village in Singapore. So Golden Screen Cinemas is owned by PPP Group Bahad, uh, which has no outstanding bonds. Uh, Golden Village is fully owned by Orange Sky uh, Golden Harvest, whose borrowings are made up of bank loans. So both theatre chains are in a better credit position than MM2. Golden Screen Cinemas has the support of its parent, a firm with a 6.4 billion market cap. Orange Sky Golden Harvest has nearly three times cash as the amount of short-term borrowings as at the end of December 2019. So a similar measure for MM2 uh, at the end of March was 20%. So meaning that the amount of current borrowings is five times the amount of its cash. At this juncture, do you expect that more of them will actually um, need to raise debt to tide them through these tough times? Or are some actually in a superior position to actually take advantage of rates to raise debt for expansion? So yes, I think that the more leveraged companies will need to raise capital. Um, at the same time, we will likely see mergers and consolidations uh, in, the, in the industry. My guess is that the bigger players may acquire smaller companies. Even though there is a need to raise capital, investors may not be as willing to invest in cinema operators, especially when the market capacity is quite saturated. 
So in addition, uh, funding conditions are not ideal at the moment. If you look at uh, debt capital issuances in the Sing dollar space, it has been very low uh, lately, so it's rather difficult for small companies to tap the market. So issuances in the US dollar market is considerably uh, better. Cinemark, which is one of the biggest cinema operators in the US, managed to raise $250 million in April. And so just to bring us back to MM2, if they require refinancing to redeem their 2021 medium-term notes next year, it sounds like it might be rather tough for them to get such liquidity. Yes, I think that the company faces a tight liquidity situation next year. I'm afraid that unless we see a corporate transaction happening soon, uh, be it in the form of a merger or divestiture of any of its assets, I may keep my negative view on the issuer for a while. In what is another threat for the traditional cinemas, I read about Universal who did something quite different for their latest movie, Trolls World Tour. So this is a sequel to the first Trolls movie that was released back in 2016. Um, so, well, because they had this new movie and they couldn't show it in cinemas during the COVID lockdown, they tried something different. They actually took the alternative way of streaming it on premium video on demand, which is PVOD for short. And this actually brought in even more sales in its first three weeks online than its first Trolls movie did in five months of domestic sales. So I thought that that was actually a very interesting leap forward. However, there is also another chapter to that. The CEO of Universal came out to say that, you know, as soon as theatres reopen, they expect to release movies on both formats. So he was referring to PVOD and uh, in theatres, as well as to releasing them simultaneously. And AMC, which is a mega owner of cinema chains globally, he then responded to say that they would not play any Universal movies in any of their global theatres with immediate effect. So what is so fascinating about this is that it really highlights the ongoing threats and the pressures of the cinema owners nowadays. So Sarah, I think you are right. Uh, Cinema operators are being hard-pressed at the moment because their suppliers have high bargaining powers, yet at the same time, their customers have more choices when it comes to viewing movies. But I still think there is a place for cinema operators in future, and they will not disappear. So in the example of Universal, I think they have worked out a deal with AMC Entertainment Holdings to reduce the theatrical window from 75 days to 17 days for Universal Picture Movies. So following this agreement, other production houses could do likewise. So overall, the trend for major production studios is to move from third-party distribution and single-ticket sales towards own distribution and recurring revenue. So this is quite apparent as we have seen more investments in the various subscription video-on-demand infrastructure. Many of the Hollywood studios are realizing that it is better to have a recurring subscription with advertising revenue than to have a single movie or TV series. So moving forward, the goal for many of these conglomerates is to increase engagements, improve user retention and content popularity, which is probably why technology companies including Apple and Amazon also want a piece of the entertainment pie. So today we've just about scratched the surface of the film industry and what's to come for them. It seems like COVID is really forcing players in the film industry to accelerate or refocus their plans to go digital, and it may unfortunately hasten the fall of cinemas. Dexter, before we end our discussion for today, some listeners may be wondering how COVID has changed or reinforced your views on these traditional and digital players in this industry. Could you share your thoughts on this? Sure. Um, COVID-19 has accelerated 
consumption trends towards digital and SVOD or subscription video on-demand models, and theatre operators with no exposure to TV or movie productions may face financial difficulties. I think cinemas will still be around, just that there is too much capacity in the industry right now. Unfortunately, lesser well-known and independent studios may find it harder to raise capital, and this could result in a lesser diversity of movie content in future. So my view is that companies with exposures to the upstream and downstream of the production chain will do better over time. So from that perspective, investors may consider bonds of Walt Disney, AT&T and Comcast. I am less keen on on downstream players because of the changing dynamics of the industry and increasing competition. Nevertheless, eventually over time, we will reach a balance between the need for traditional and digital players. So i.e. the balance for cinemas and streaming platforms to coexist with one another. Alright, thanks for joining us today. This is brought to you by Bond Supermart. I'm Sarah Chia and our guest analyst with us today is Dexter Tan from the Bond Supermart team at iFast Singapore. Follow Bond Supermart on Twitter, Facebook and Telegram to get first-hand updates on new bond issues, credit updates and special events. For bond information and articles, visit our website bondsupermart.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you soon. Mm-hmm.